With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insights on Newcastle United. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by our Chief Sports Writer, Lee Ryder. It's been another, shall we say, frustrating week in the world of Newcastle United and still we wait for any news on a Newcastle United takeover or not and any news on whether Rafa Benitez will sign a new deal before his contract runs out on June the 30th. Not very long until that date. Um, like I say, I'm joined by Lee. Lee, Give us your latest understanding on where we stand on those two topics that really are on the is the only talking points of Newcastle United. Well, I mean, let's look at the probably the most realistic one and the one that will probably change soonest, which is the managerial situation. And for me, I think Rafa Benitez has known for a while now that this this offer has been on the table. Uh, it's at the moment, it's it's not a satisfactory one. But if you ask any people close to Newcastle, they'll say that there will be no more negotiations and this is pretty much a take-it-or-leave-it offer for Rafa. So therefore, the next sort of 10 days are going to be interesting because it's either Rafa signs the deal um, or he doesn't sign the deal or he's basically trying to um, see if Newcastle will crack under a little bit of pressure and come back and say, actually, we can give you... X amount more with your transfer kitty or we are going to let you sign uh, players of a, a certain age and you might get a few older players through the door. So that's, that's the one that's going to change first before you, you hear anything on a takeover, in, in my opinion. And we'll wait and see um, what happens with, with the takeover bid. Um, last I heard was that on the Mike Ashley side of things, they're still waiting to see an official bid they're waiting to see the money um, produced and until that happens none of this can move well that'll lead us into our, our first question um, George Colton of the Times you know said out on Twitter there are their interested parties and we have reported that over the last um, few months as well that it isn't just the Benzaid group that are, are working away there there are others in the background they haven't gone public for a number of reasons and I, I suppose the first reason would be that you know 
my gosh, he doesn't like it when things get leaked out. No, he, he's pulled the plug on numerous deals in the past where people have gone to, to newspapers or their pictures have appeared in newspapers trying to set up talks. Uh, the Amanda Stavely attempt of, of buying the club where when the photographer turned up outside a curry house uh, in London. Uh, you could make it up really, but uh, from his point of view he he likes it all to be played out in in relative silence until there's actually some money on the table and that I, I don't think they expected two statements to come out from, from the Middle East and since then there's been nothing so whether somebody in the background has said this has to stay under wraps we, we, we won't know until the process is, is completed and either Newcastle is bought or um, it's another, you know, failed attempt. We'll have to wait and see. If it is a failed attempt, bearing in mind how quickly things are going to come round, it's going to be absolute chaos, isn't it? I think most fans, you'll, you'll get a lot of fans who will say, yep, that just as I expected it, it that's what Newcastle are under Mike Ashley. Um, he's holding out for, if he's holding out for 350 million, that is quite a lot. For a football club that are, you know, fighting off relegation every year, um, it's it's quite a, it's it is for me it's quite a high price. There's a lot you can do with it if you get it, but you know it's it's a risk because you know, in four months' time Newcastle could be staring the championship in the face again if things go wrong. So then it you know if Newcastle were to be relegated, they would be worth nowhere near three hundred fifty million. So it's a risk at three hundred fifty million. That's what he's holding out for, uh, and until someone comes up and is prepared to take that gamble and actually does have the money um, you know Newcastle fans you know will be sitting here and and dreaming of, of better days gone by we're going to take four questions from uh, Tom Packer uh, all very relevant to the current day situation we'll start with do you think the fans or do you think the club will say anything about Rafa's contract between now which is now the 20th of June and of course, today it expires on the 30th of June. Well, I don't think Newcastle will come out until... It, if Rafa doesn't sign it, I don't think they'll, they'll come out before then and, and give any explanation or update. Uh, we've seen Derby County do that with Frank Lampard the other day. So you can do it if you want, but I don't think Newcastle will do that. They'll wait until afterwards. Um, and then if it's, if it's negative news, I think there'll be a short statement saying Newcastle have failed to come to an agreement with Rafa Benitez and we're now searching for his successor if they're on the ball maybe they've got somebody in mind who they can quickly approach but they only have three days before pre-season training starts so you, you, you have to look at this realistically if Newcastle are fearing for the worst they must have other people in mind who can take charge at the moment his second question um, goes on to the kits obviously the new Shirt has been released uh, this week. What did you make of it? Well, I think there's a lot made of the fact that people commented about it. it didn't look anything like the the 1969 kit. I mean, some of these kits for me, it's it's much of a muchness. But I think a couple of the features were similar to the 1969 kit. But I don't think it was meant to be a like for like replica of it. Um, kits for me, I I can never really get a good a good sort of uh, opinion on them until I actually see them, you know, the players wearing them and 
you know Premier League game or preseason friendly in full swing I think then you can take a, a better look at it and think actually I like that or I don't like that I mean you will get you know the fans you know down the years there used to be some guy who used to live in, in the same street as me and you know the minute this kit come out he was like walking down the street wearing it he loved getting the new kits dead early I don't think it'll be like that at the moment the way Newcastle are uh, but yeah I think maybe maybe it's one what will grow on a few people think so i mean tom just asks why they're so expensive and what color are the numbers on the shirt going to be i think the numbers are going to be red again uh, i believe i'm not 100 but i think the numbers are going to be red i suppose as for the price unfortunately that's just modern day football isn't it you know clubs to know that they can charge that amount of money i mean in my opinion it is a little bit extortionate but that's just modern game castle aren't the only ones charging that kind of money for a football shirts just just the way it is isn't it well i think kits have always been traditionally really expensive um you know i remember you know being a youngster myself and it was one of them where you, you wanted the new kit straight away but it was just so expensive it was always a a big demand or a big ask you know to get that amount of money to get your hands on the kit um but i think when the team's doing well and everyone knows the manager i think people find the money but at the moment you know why would you want to you know put your money down when you don't exactly know exactly what's going on at the club i think people generally from what i've been speaking to people about they're going to wait they're waiting they're waiting for this to whether they renew the season ticket and whether they put the money down to buy the kits but i do appreciate it is uh it is younger fans now who who buy the kits and, and wear them on a match day final question from tom is if rafa were to leave do you think Ashley could be tempted to go back for someone like Alan Pardew or Chris Hutton? Well, that's a it's a really good question. I think he w- he's made some unbelievable decisions in the past, and I would like to think he has learned at least something. I mean, bringing Joe Kinnear in was just an unbelievable decision, even at, even at the time, twice, twice, and to bring him back, to bring him back as director of football. It it was just unbelievable. Uh, Alan Pardew coming back, that would be, it would be very difficult, I think, for the fan base. But um, knowing Alan Pardew the way that I do, I think he will think in his head that he could swing it and he could do what he'd done, as in leading them to fifth place last time. I think he, in his own head, he would think he could bring some kind of order. But whether whether he's moved on, from that and he's looking for other challenges I don't know but the clubs that, other clubs at the minute aren't exactly kicking the door down for Alan Pardew's services so if he was approached then yeah you, you couldn't rule it out you couldn't rule it out under Mike Ashley and Chris Sheaton Chris Sheaton I mean Newcastle now this is interesting because when Newcastle got rid of Chris Sheaton the reasoning was you know the media were briefed that yeah Mike Ashley wants someone coming in who is going to stand up to him a bit more and you know put more transfer demands in. So they get rid of Chris Hutton, you obviously have Alan Pardew, you have all, all of that saga. You have McLaren, who didn't really challenge things until it was too late. But then you have Rafa, who basically is trying to call all the shots, make all the decisions, and Newcastle won't give him what he wants. So you just, I'd like to sit in a room with Mike Ashley and say, what is it you're actually trying to achieve here and who is advising you on, on certain decisions because... You need to really think more carefully about what you do up here. On to Alex Coates again. There's, a, there's quite a few questions here, but we will we'll go through through them. We have kind of covered bits and bobs. So 
we'll dive straight in. Um, we've, I mean, we've just spoken about there the possibility of Hugh not Pardew. Um, and Alex asks that if Rafa goes, are you aware of any names in the frame to replace Benitez come, you know, June the 30th or July the 1st, 2nd or 3rd? I mean, there's obviously a lot of names who... There's plenty of people who would want the job. There's always, you know, there would be applications. I'm pretty sure that already that other uh, agents of managers will have approached Newcastle United. I, I think Newcastle personally will look to the continent perhaps and I think there's certainly a couple of names that have been put to me from Italy and a, and a couple of names from France uh, one that I think would be very intriguing uh, were it to happen but at the moment I, I don't really want to say much more on it because we have to wait and see what happens with Rafa Benitez and I know that Twitter can go into a complete meltdown so I don't really want to mention the name of, of the candidate that has been put to me at, the at this point in time 10, ten days to go um, does Newcastle's uh, priority with your understanding is it getting Benitez to sign the contract I, I suppose that question is a bit difficult considering that it appears to be a take it or leave it offer but right now do you, do you imagine Lee Charlie sitting there going through a few names in case Benitez doesn't sign or is he just waiting for Benitez <coughs> to to pick up the phone and say, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll sign the deal. Uh, without speaking to Lee Charnley directly, I, I think that they will have been approached by certain agents and they will have uh, respectfully gone back to them and said at the moment, Rafa Benitez is the man who we've got a contract off on the table. However, were that to change, um, your name has been added to the shortlist and I think there will be a a penciled in shortlist of potential replacements but then you know they'll, they'll get their heads together if Rafa Benitez does go uh, and they've got to ask who is going to be the right fit for, for what is you know still regardless of all the, the controversy the last few weeks it's still an absolutely magnificent football club you know I'm, I'm lucky enough I walk past the stadium every day to come to work and I just think wow if this place could if we could just get things up and running again um, this place you know the big queues coming out the door for tickets the, you know the club shop all that it's just a huge club waiting to take off again second question is on the transfers um, and I can kind of understand the um, frustration a little bit here because mm. um, we, we get equally frustrated with these reports as well but why are we seeing reports that Newcastle have been linked with players and in some cases placing bids on players when Rafa Pouting has the final say, I guess the first answer would be that the, you know, the, the live blog is filled with reports from the continent. We then go out and, and check them out before saying, you know, Newcastle definitely bidding for this player. But, you know, most of them links do come from the continent. We're just kind of saying they've been linked via this, you know, newspaper. At the same time, you know, the recruitment team have been looking at, at, at players. Yeah, I know... Steve Nixon has been still flying around Europe in the last few weeks. Uh, there's obviously three major tournaments going on at the moment as well, where Newcastle have got people watching. Um, they've got they're keeping tabs on several targets, but for me, I don't think there's been any. There's been no firm bids. Uh, Raf Benitez, I would be amazed if 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 a player was signed before his contract situation is decided one way or the other. But come July, then. 
they're going to have to buy players one way or another because the squad has already been uh, it's it's been weakened because a lot of players have have gone. So, um, I I think whatever happens with Rafa, I think there'll be there'll be a decent amount of transfer activity incoming. You know, have they left it late? Yeah, they've wasted a few days, um, with plenty, a few weeks rather. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how swiftly those players come in. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's just an intriguing situation one way or the other at the moment. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on to the takeover. Um, we've, we've already mentioned the other parties looking at Newcastle United. Alex asks whether uh, the Binzai group are the most advanced, in your understanding. Well, they're the ones who've come out publicly and, and, and said that they want to buy Newcastle United. Nobody else has done that because they've probably all stuck to the, the NDAs that, that have been signed. But really, I mean, I'm, I acknowledge what you were saying at the start about that. You know, there are other people reporting that there's other groups, you know, in the in the data room, but. I, that's been the case for a good two or three years now. That for, for me, that's not that's not big news. There, there's been people interested in having a look and seeing what it would take to buy Newcastle and having a look at the structure. It's it's not really it's not really a fresh story in my opinion. But uh, do you think the Binzai public statements? Do you think that would that 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 would potentially smoke out any serious competitors? You know, any serious any other serious buyers from Newcastle United? It's it's difficult to say because it's all done, um, it's all done behind the scenes, and I, I just remember, and you know, I'm going back to Mike Ashley buying the club, and it was in 2007, and there was a, it was in the old Chronicle office, and there was a there was a rumor that something big had happened at, at St James Park, and I rang the club secretary at the time, and uh, it, it basically he said. There's nothing going on here. There's nothing to see here, so and that kind of thing. And then within five minutes, um, it emerged. Mike Ashley bought the club, and we were looking to get pictures on the front page and all that kind of thing. So that's how quickly it can happen. It can break very quickly. And yeah, we do. We see all the things on on Twitter. So, you know, no, you just don't know what's going on and all that. We get an outline of what's going on. Um, for me personally, I, I look to put things out there when. I've got something completely concrete. If I haven't, I'll I'll stay quiet. Um, but once I've got something, I'll put it out there, and that's what we did with the the statements that came out, and people got excited about them. Um, but now we're waiting for that to be followed up. 
Um, and then just on to his final question, the difference in the reporting here in the UK and the reporting over in the Middle East, um, you know, plenty of people on Twitter, um, a few journalists based there, very excited about it, you know, the, the word on the streets in Dubai is that it is a done deal, they're expecting to go through, obviously over here in England things are a little bit different, a bit more cautious, I mean, why do you think that is, do you think that the Binzai group have jumped the gun slightly? Uh, I think they they are definitely interested. They haven't shown they've got the money yet. I know they said in a statement they have, but that's you know we haven't got the full understanding of that from from the Mike Ashley end as yet. All new is it being spoken about on on the streets of Dubai uh, in in the Middle East? For me, you know, I've been over there, and it's it is just such a huge hub of business that I, I hardly think that Newcastle are the top of the agenda. Um, in the business world in the Middle East because it's just they've been quite low down if it goes through obviously it'll be a huge thing but at the minute um, we wait and see I think you look at you look at other clubs other, that have been bought and it's gone through a lot quicker than this it's been quite a while now um, and we need to see how, how it plays out and it's as hard as it is but for, for fans and journalists I think We've just got to be as patient as possible and, and see if this is this is going to be feasible or not. Uh, Mickey Gent asks, have Newcastle received proof of funds? Have the Premier League started their checks? And has this been another, and that's his words, another Ashley smokescreen to uh, run Rafa's contract down and avoid spending cash? So shoot it well there. I think the Premier League, I mean, the Premier League have kept very quiet on this and we have approached them. And I think really, if if there's anybody in all of this who have to come out and say something uh, now, it's Newcastle United. Premier League can only go through the paperwork that they get as they get it. It sounds still to me like it's still at the very early stages with, in terms of paperwork. Well, as far as Newcastle are concerned, they, they can argue back that they're sticking to the NDA that they signed. And the only people that have kind of like sort of moved outside of that are, are the group from the Middle East. So we'll have to wait and see. I think we've definitely been back to the people in the Middle East and asked the questions. And it's not like anyone's sitting on the hands here. And I know you, you don't, know, I don't. We, we are putting active checks in all the time to try and get information. And uh, I'll say it's, it's just a case of um, trying to be as patient as possible. But that's a hot... That's very hard when you're a Newcastle fan like we are and we've, we've sat and waited for success for such a long time. It's hard to, to actually use that word, but on something like this, a huge business transaction, patience is the only word. But as you understand it, the proof of funds still yet to be sure? Well, there's been no confirmation of that apart from, from the group. Newcastle haven't stood that up. Uh, the Premier League haven't stood that up. So until that... Until we see concrete evidence of it, um, we have to wait and see. Uh, there's another question here from Kerry Fitz, who asks, do you think too in China, Lee will be uh, off covering the pre-season tour in uh, mid-July? Do you think too in uh, China is potentially... Well, sorry, the, the question is a little bit re- uh, mixed up. I should have reworded it. Basically asking, is the trip to China place um, to kind of advertise Newcastle and potentially get an investor on board 
you know, putting Newcastle out there on a, on, a, on a global scale? I think whenever you go around the world and Newcastle United are there, a lot of people want to take an interest in it. And I, I speak from, you know, the, the Newcastle's trip to uh, the United States and obviously Newcastle have got a huge fan base over there anyway. Um, but what you get is you get other people looking in and especially, you know, younger fans and, you know, they take a look at one team and they might decide that Newcastle's going to be their team. So it's all, it can only be a healthy thing going over uh, to the Far East and from Newcastle fans' point of view, uh, it helps the club become more of a global brand. Obviously, the big the big hitters are, are Liverpool and Manchester United. They're, they're still the two most important clubs uh, to, a, to a lot of people around the world. Even Manchester City the amount of resources they're thrown in you know they've, they've won trophy after trophy they've got Pep Guardiola in charge they're signing big names they're trying to, to really crack the European scene but ultimately they can't get past Manchester United and Liverpool because they're such a big global brand so that's an example of how far you've got to go Newcastle are you know are they in the top 10 of big clubs in the world some people would argue they're not are they in the top 20 I would say yes they are but they need that investment to take them on to that next level. And to finish off, um, this is from Kenny Armstrong, and he asks, would you rather Mike Ashley stay and your castle win the League Cup next year? Um, I suppose we could throw in the FA Cup there as well. Um, or the takeover happens and Newcastle win nothing? Well, I think if Newcastle won the League Cup, then I think that would be celebrated no matter what no matter what the circumstances are no matter who's in charge I think it would just be bring an end to the, the trophy drought um, but there's no guarantees uh, if there was somebody who's got the money that can take the club on I would I would take that choice every time because if someone's got the, the, the huge funds that would put you in with a chance of winning things every year rather than a one-off League Cup uh, you would take as much as I'd like to see Newcastle win something I'd like the long-term future to be a lot brighter. Take the risk. Take the risk, yeah. So it'd be great to see that. I suppose, because I've seen a lot of people talk about this on Twitter as well, is would you rather Mike Ashley stay and Rafa Benitez signs a new contract or Mike Ash or Rafa Benitez to go and, you know, this group take over? Because I think, I think that it presents an interesting point, isn't it? Because we don't, really know what the Benzai group would do in terms of management. They, they could well get rid of Benitez, bring in somebody else. But the, the kind of relationship Benitez has with the fans, I suppose, you, would you risk it if you, were, if you were a new owner of this club? It's a, it's a strange one because, obviously, this, this is what I'm try, trying to go back to. Uh, when there's something concrete, you, you, it's good to get out there and then everyone can discuss it properly because you know what, what the situation is. But... I've seen like various reports from like different different groups. There are different sort of reporters. One saying, "Oh, they're going to get Mourinho." The other saying, "No, they're going to keep Rafa." And at the minute, until this deal is done, no one knows exactly what they're going to. Even they probably don't know at the minute what they're going to do because they haven't they haven't done the big transaction, which is buy the club. So the question. It was a bit of a complex one. What exactly? Yeah, what it was. It was. <laughs> sorry, confusing myself as well. Uh, Mike Ashley stays, Benitez stays, Benitez contract gets written down, but the the, the club gets taken over. I, th- I think ideally, 
the the ideal circumstance would be that there is a takeover and Rafa stays. That would, I think that would strike a chord with a lot of people. Um, you know, Mourinho had a very tough time at Man United. He's a winner. He's he'd be determined. He'd be hungry to do things again. I'm sure. I'm deep down. I'm I'm pretty sure that he would. He would love. He would. He would come here. I, but. Su- I suppose the issue is, and this is probably the worry for Newcastle United fans, that if it turns out that the Benzai group are still at the very early stages, and we, we we could be looking at a month, two months before, even a price is agreed. I mean, to be fair, you know, we don't know really how far long it is, but by that point, Rafa still might not sign a contract. He might not even sign a contract in the next ten days. Therefore, he's a free agent. Therefore, he can go and you know manage whoever you know offer from China there might be another manager that goes before before the start of the season and Newcastle will have to fill that gap until whenever the Binzai group you know eventually complete the deal so at that point Rafa could be in, a, in another job by then yeah I mean that's that's the the risk that Newcastle are taking I mean it's it's quite strange that Rafa hasn't signed the deal in some ways because if it was a three-year contract on the table and there was £18 million at stake, he would be protecting himself. But I think if it shows anything, it shows that Rafa isn't or uh, isn't motivated by money. And I think you look at the, the stories coming out about the Chinese offer, I think from his point of view, he wants to be in the Premier League and Newcastle can offer him being in the Premier League. He just wants to see that little bit more ambition and sadly they haven't haven't been able to to budge unfortunately not um, we sat here the last time we won and we said hopefully we'll have some communication from the club we haven't I mean from, from your point of view the man who writes the big stories just how frustrating is that well it is frustrating but we've been here before I think you've got to like sort of lean on experience a little bit when it gets when it gets tough like this and it is a tough time um, it's not tough for us in some ways because it doesn't matter who's doing the the articles if there's no words coming out it's it's a tough one for Newcastle United it's, it's they're, they're, they're the ones who've got to get their communication uh, up and running so in the meantime we you know we speak to other players uh, we, we speak to, to former players we get their opinions we write our own opinions we reflect what the fans are saying and we make sure that you know we are addressing the subject. I mean, whatever way you look at it, this is it. the fact Newcastle aren't speaking is a big story in itself. The fact Newcastle United have got a world class manager who hasn't signed a contract is a big story in itself. So it's it's one of them where the reports continue to come because it's effectively it's a development story, and uh, at the end of it, there's going to be big news either way. I mean, it's there's a we are very close to a huge story one with the other one will be if Rafa Benitez stays two if he doesn't the reaction after it and also who comes in after him well that, that will we'll finish with that question obviously we've still got 10 days to go so um, we'll, we'll have another podcast before Rafa's contract does expire but worst case scenario if he doesn't sign a new deal the reaction is going to be it's it's going to be very chaotic, isn't it? Of course, you've got the season tickets that need to be renewed. You've got um, players coming back. I think I, I marked up there was thirteen 
kind of question marks because the army's obviously set to go. You've got players coming back on loan. You've got a couple of players who've gone back to the parent club. You've got a couple of players returning from long-term injury. So by the time they all get back, realistically, Newcastle could struggle to name an 18 to even play in one of the pre-season games unless they go down and you know maybe bring Sorensen along for the ride. I mean, but again, that's something a manager should maybe have already thought about, but Benitez isn't getting the chance to do that because he, you know, he doesn't feel he can sign a new deal. Well, that's it, and I think. I think if Rafa was to stay, I think he would pr- pretty quickly have some ideas. But his his argument is that he's sick of fighting against relegation. He wants to push on. He wants to get them in the top eight. He wants to you know maybe have a try to have a good run in the cup, which Newcastle haven't done for such a long time. So I think the next ten days are going to be absolutely crucial. I mean, it's almost the next nine days because we're nearly finished this one, and doesn't look like anything's going to happen today. So you know, next next sort of nine, eight, nine days, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens. The reaction after that, well, I'm sure there'll be a lot of angry people. Um, but then, the danger for Newcastle will be: does the anger turn into apathy, and people don't want to return to the club uh, next season? Some people have threatened to, you know, walk away from it. We've, we've had that before, but still, Newcastle United sell out the stadium most weeks so and I, I just hope that you know the current owners don't take that for granted because it's just unbelievable support season ticket prices went up for a lot of people uh, very recently and I think they deserve to be rewarded with firstly come on some communication uh, secondly a team that's as good as they are on the pitch and then thirdly you know some new players coming in and, and pushing the club um, you know as far up that Premier League table as it can go because that's very least the Newcastle fans deserve. Yeah, I don't think anyone would argue with you on that one. Well, thank you very much for joining us. That is it for this week's episode of the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe through whichever platform you listen to. Thank you very much. Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts.